and welcome back to Poet Up, the podcast where we talk about all things whiskey. I'm your host, Mike Alcalt. Deb Mitchell. Tonight on the show, a very special Poet Up birthday. You can sing happy birthday for us, Devin. Nope, but I'm going to drink a lot of birthday whiskeys. <laughs> Perfect. We'll spare your ears the screeching sounds of Devin has a beautiful voice, actually. If it was me singing, it would be just awful, like cats in a burlap sack getting beat type noises. And we got a very special birthday episode to celebrate here because Poet Up was founded on October 18th, 2019. So just a little bit over a year ago, and if you're listening to this, it's sometime in November. So... We finally got the allocations in that we wanted to celebrate our birthday here. So we got Glenmore and G Cake and an Old Forester lineup. So we have the Old Forester 1910, the Old Forester 1897, and then the crown jewel of the episode, the Old Forester Birthday Bourbon, one of the most sought-after whiskeys of this year. Really fortunate to have one and super stoked to try it out. So stay tuned. For a very special Poet Up birthday. It's not just our birthday. It's your birthday, too. Because we haven't done a giveaway in a while. We're itching to get this E.H. Taylor small batch out the door. It's been sitting in the giveaway pile for Mm -hmm. probably at least three months. I'm sorry, you said E.H. Taylor small batch? That's right. Oh, dang. I know it's not the single barrel, so don't get so right. excited. But it's not, They didn't even give away a four grain or an amaranth grain of the gods or an 18-year marriage on their podcast. Hey, man, if you listen to our podcast, you would know that I highly overrated that at 9.2. So if you haven't <laughs> tried this whiskey, you know this is going to be a birthday for you to remember. Yeah, and E.H. Tiller small batch is fantastic, especially it's for its price. If you can find it at $34 or 42 bucks or whatever they're selling at nowadays. Of course, the single barrel one, uh, double gold in San Francisco, so that's been unobtainium to find this year in 2020, but the small batches are still popping up all over. And if you want to get that E.H. Tiller small batch, you're going to need this code word, and the code word is obvious. It's birthday. The code word's birthday. Or send us the name of the whiskey that you would drink on your own birthday. Darn tootin', what would you drink on your special day? It's your birthday. Pick your favorite whiskey. What you drinking? What are you going to pull up on your birthday? Devin, what would you pull up on your birthday? I would pull up Old Forester Birthday Bourbon. <laughs> Since my birthday is in November. <laughs> November 23rd. Now that I have an Old Forester birthday bourbon, there is literally nothing else I'm going to drink on my birthday. Well, you know, maybe I'll start with like a nice flight and build up to it. But I mean, you got a birthday bourbon, you got to drink a birthday bourbon on your birthday. That's crazy. Let me correct that statement. I would pull up Mike's Old Forester birthday bourbon. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm very fortunate to get this. My guy said he got six bottles, and the distributor kind of undercut him and. It was all true that some of the Airstone and these other whiskeys were tied to it. You know, I bought them. I supported it. I was buying all the stuff. And then I was kind of shocked to hear that he got undercut on the, the distribution there. But yeah, I'm so thrilled to have this. I owe them a huge thank you. And I'm going to try it out. But thinking back to my last birthday, we had a hell of a lineup, if I remember this correctly. We got a Doers 32. because I turned 32 years old. So that was fantastic. But then I drank a pour of George T. Stagg, William LaRue Weller, Old Fitzgerald 15, and Booker's 30th. So we really, really ritzed it up with literally every crazy bottle that I have. So I think we did the math in between those bottles. It hard to ballpark a Dewar's 32 because no bars even carry it. But we said, what would our bar tab be if we were to go drink this somewhere? And we, for myself and Rose because we each had pours and we used a bar menu from a place in San Diego we went we're looking at probably like a $1,200 bar tab for just two ounce pours of all those whiskeys so once again that code word is birthday or the whiskey that you would drink on your birthday 
and someone's getting that E.H. Taylor small batch. Mm-hmm. I named it the most beautiful whiskey in the world. I named it E.H. Taylor's small batch. Also, it's this guy's birthday, November 23rd, but I don't have a birthday bourbon in my name yet. Maybe next year. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking, probably. We'll start him we'll next year. We'll get some year. line to start and making this stuff. it'll be released in 10 years. So we got that's exactly what the old Forrester birthday bourbon is. So happy early birthday to Devin Mitchell, my business partner and podcast co-host. Or we can well or CYPB it and be like, yeah, it's an eight-year bourbon. Well, you had the contest three years ago, so that's strange. But <laughs> that's a neat story. Yeah. We, uh, we bottle it when it's ready. Negative five years in the future. <laughs> and I just got a, a Maker's Mark 101, which used to be a distillery-only holiday release. You could only buy it there. It's just regular Maker's Mark, but they bottle it at 101 proof instead of their standard bottling. And somebody reached out to me and said, I think it has more age, which I can't verify. But I said, I hope they don't go away from the age. I hope they have older whiskeys. But as an industry, it seems like bourbon's moving more towards the NAS, the non-age statements, as well as the bottle it when it's ready type of mentality. So it is nice to see the age statements printed on some of these bottles. It's kind of a funny thing. They don't have to, but older whiskeys, they're going to let you know what the age is. And speaking of non-age statement whiskeys, right here I'm holding a giant, super, super colorful box of Glenmorangie, A Tale of Cake. It's a limited edition, and the box is like, it is it is colorful. <laughs> it's like bright blue, and then it's got the Glenmorangie bottle, and it has like sprinkles and cake layers, and it's got a bunch of holographic foiling on here and different designs. It is way over the top. Glenmorangie on the side is like this gold foil, and each side is a different color, and then one side is just a bunch of layers of cake. It's pink and purple, and then like foiled polka dots with gold and then orange layers it's a crazy box and the stick with this is it is takai dessert wine cask finish and takai is just a white wine that's made in turkey i believe super super sweet and they've finished a glenmorangie with it to celebrate director of whiskey creation dr bill celebrate his birthday and his favorite pineapple upside down cake so they finish Glenmorangie with Takai. It looks like Tokaji, another word that you can mispronounce out there if you're keeping score on our Scotch mispronunciations. Um, dessert wine cask finished. So this bottle of Glenmorangie is a non-age statement. So like the Glenmorangie 10, the original, the 12, the Lasanta, the 14, Quinta Rubin, or like an 18, they're usually really good about telling you how old the whiskey is, but this one they don't kind of interesting right but age aside i mean who doesn't want to hear a tale of cake yeah like, i'll listen to any tale you have if it ends in me <laughs> eating cake right so or would every kid when they're going to bed you want to read them a tale ends in cake done mm-hmm. or drinking cake because that's what we got here i don't think kids should drink cake but yeah <laughs> l- let's give it a shot here yeah and this is our warm-up tonight so very interesting bottle. These are running about a hundred bucks, hundred nine dollars if you can find them. I think at Costco's got them for like eighty. They've been popping up on occasion. So I love the Glenmorangie line. Uh, that triple pack we got last year of the ten Lasanta and Keita Rubin was really fun. So this fits the theme of the poet up birthday perfectly because who doesn't want cake on their birthday, right? Exactly. So let's sniff it and let's let's talk about it a little bit. What are you getting here when you're uh, sniffing around there, Devin? Sniffing around originally, um, just like first sniff ever of the cake, it doesn't seem too much different than typical Glenmorangie nosings, I would say. But then as I kind of drank a little bit and started smelling around more, like we always talk about maybe it is just the suggestion, suggestivity of the bottle, but I don't know, you start to smell kind of like a like a lemon frosting to it and maybe some more cakeish scents, maybe some sprinkles. But yeah. I don't know. Sure sounds suggestible to me. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of that too. It does kind of smell a lot like the Glenmorangie original at first. It's kind of light, floral, honey, nice notes there. But 
I also get a lot of vanilla when I'm sniffing it around. And then when I'm tasting it, I'm getting some kind of vanilla frosting type flavors there. It is kind of cakey. It's super, super sweet. There's still a lot of honey there. There's a lot of interesting flavors that I think are imparted with this. On the nose and on the palate, it does smell and taste a little white whiny, which is kind of the, the Tokai kicking in. And to me, when I first smelt it, I thought it smelled like a Sauternes cask finish whiskey, which we're seeing a lot of Sauternes whiskeys coming out too. I think a local 80 Laws does one here in Colorado. Um, I think Glen Morangy does one too. The Nectar Dior is Sauternes cask finished. And white wine whiskeys, I think it's like a really easy scent to smell when I'm sniffing it. This one is hidden a little bit more, and it is very cakey on the palate. I think it's an enjoyable drink, but does it stand up for the price? I don't know about that. Yeah, I think vanilla is a good call on that, and I get kind of like a coconut to it also, but when you actually taste it, it does have that cakeish taste, you know, the frostings, the more honeyed. Yeah, I can see it. It's cakey. Yeah, very oily on the mouthfeel, coating, cakey on the palate. And then on the finish, a little tinge of floral, maybe a little bit of mint. It seems to be kind of a moderate finish that goes away pretty quickly. I get a lot of white wine on the finish. Like the probably maybe the first couple seconds of it almost just tastes like white wine until some of the other finished notes come in on it that you would know it's actually a scotch. Yeah, I could see that too. And I'm a terrible white wine drinker, admittedly. My buddy, Austin Van Ward, if you're out there, he tried to convert me to uh, like rosé one day. And I was like, I just can't drink rosé. I can't do it. And he's like, well, I'm going to convert you. So I went to the liquor store and he picked up a bottle and we went and tried it. And I said, yeah, it's actually pretty good. Like, I, th- I think it's all right. And I'm like, it's so sweet though. And he's like, well, funny enough, this is like the driest rosé that I could find. <laughs> I was like, how is it so unbelievably sweet but still dry? And maybe we're just used to drinking whiskeys instead of rosés and white wines. So that's kind of the white wine flavor that I get there, too, is it's, I feel like it's very sweet, even though it might be more of kind of a drier white wine if you have kind of a sommelier background in the back. Don't seem to run across a lot of guys that are into rosés, but... I second it. I like wine. I like rosé. I like white wines. I like red wines. I'm all about it. Nice. And how do you feel about this Glen Morangy cake? Just don't give me a weird glass if I order something fruity from the <laughs> bar so everybody knows. Yeah, apple teeny glass. Asking for a friend. And how do you feel about the Glen Morangy cake? I think it's pretty solid. Uh, I don't think it stands up to its age statement partners of the core line from Glen Morangy. But as a novelty whiskey, I like the idea. I mean, compare it to a different cake whiskey. There you go. Yeah. Now your choice is made up. Right. And I, I think I agree with you there 100%. I'd put this above a Glen Morangy 10, but just right below the 12 La Santa and the 14 Quinta Rubin. I love those age statement whiskeys. And when we first got this, our producer Rose looked at the box and she said, well, that is so extra. Like they're way over the top on the colors. And it seems like maybe the box is just trying to distract from what the actual whiskey is. And I think I might have to agree because it's an on-age statement. So maybe they're just taking a younger Glen Morangy and then finishing it in Takai casks to um, kind of market this whiskey as this limited expression. I don't think it's worth the price. But I do think it is very good. Given that it's a limited expression, it was something really fun that I wanted to try. Um, I don't know. I'm a little bit caught in between because it is an expensive bottle. And I don't think it quite lived up to the price. But that being said, I still think it's a good whiskey. If you're the fun Fetty cake guy and that's like what you live for, I probably like this whiskey. Yeah. If you're a any other type of cake person, I don't know. <laughs> not maybe not so much. If Strikes like, me very fun fetish. If you like white wine with your cake, then maybe this is the perfect one for you. Yeah, like sprinkles in your wine or whatever you want. <laughs> if you love over the top, colorful boxes, then this is for you. And if you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain, <laughs> you might like this whiskey. That it might be for you. Yeah. 
So we're officially past the one year mark and I can still remember the conversation I had when I was driving down here to do the first one of these. And it was in the car with my girlfriend Katie and I just kind of leaned over to her and I said, you know we're probably not going to actually do a podcast tonight, right? And she said, what do you mean? I said, you know, we don't probably even have the right stuff to hook any of this up. We probably don't even have the cables that we need. No one's going to know how to record or get anything together. Like, we're just going to hang out and drink some whiskeys like we've always done. Yeah, it was like that meme with SpongeBob. Three hours later. (laughs) But I was wrong. And we did do a podcast that night. And that was our first episode. Yeah. But we've learned some things since then. And we've learned some things a little bit on the business end. Yeah, and I think there's been some learnings over the last year for sure. And recently I've had some people reach out to me to say, like, what have you learned from making a podcast? And I'm interested in doing this. And I'm happy to give advice and chat with people about those type of things because there's a lot that goes into this. And that first episode was painful. (laughs) It really was. We were figuring out the audio and the cables and the sound quality was terrible and we actually weren't recording through the microphones. We were recording yeah. through a microphone on a uh, actual computer, not the, the cardioid mics that we have right now that sound good. That's what and I was just about to bring up. Yeah, We were talking into microphones, but we were actually just recording through the computer audio and we didn't know. Right. So if you listen to episode one and two, it sounds a little strange. <laughs> That's probably why. Now you know why. And we sat down and we tried to figure everything out and we're you know Googling inputs and outputs and just trying to get all the free audio software to work and then we were like okay well i think we got it what do we want to say on the podcast (laughs) we sat down and wrote a script and it was like a paragraph long and we did like five takes where it was like welcome to poet up whether you're a new drinker or an experienced drinker this show's for you and we're like reading this scripted like almost like having a teleprompter right in front of me paragraph and I kept forgetting to say my name and then I kept forgetting to say the name of the podcast (laughs) and we did like 10 cuts of this and I'm just banging my head into the wall and like scripting the podcast really didn't work and we spent like two hours trying to do that after the three hours of setting this up and I was like all right I want to throw in the towel on this thing we'll try try again and we and never scripted again. We never scripted. But I we mean, did keep up on not really researching much. <laughs> yeah, just wait till we blow your minds with this old Forrester five-minute Google search that we've done. Hey, we're going to be good at drinking it, I'll tell you that much. And so we do. We still do our fair share of research, but we just don't script anything. We come into these episodes with an agenda, and I think we have a format that works, so we try to follow that. And we really love doing lineups. We found that out. Lineups are so much fun to do to get these whiskeys and try different expressions from distillers. And I think we, you know, went out on a limb doing some stuff like under $10, $10 bourbons, right? We're like, we don't know if anybody's going to want to listen to this because it's ancient age and Evan Williams Green Label and Zachariah Harris and Kentucky Gentleman and Kentucky Deluxe, you know, everybody's favorite whiskeys. But at the time, that was our most listened to episode, which was really, really fun to see. And it's not just all about allocated whiskeys. It's about different whiskeys from across the world, good budget picks, really good ones. And now we're just on a quest to find that next delicious pour. Now on to the main event of the evening, the Old Forester lineup. So, Mike, I'm lost in this forest. And the only way I can get out is to drink Old Forster bourbons. <laughs> Are you from New York or Jersey? I've been informed that was an impression of Christopher Walken. Hey, I'm hey, I'm walking here. <laughs> now they were gonna say it's the wrong tone. It's all wrong. You do it again, I'll stab you in the face with a soldering iron. <laughs> So, what do you want to tell the folks on, at home there about these here Old Foresters, Devin? Old Forester claims that it's the first bottled bourbon. It's just a bunch of guys sitting around a tub of liquid and said, you know, what if we put the liquid in the bottles? 
That would be genius. And Old yeah. Forester was born. I read the same thing. George Garvin Brown was the first person to put whiskey in a bottle. Complete, How about that? Complete genius. So smart. Would they just like put it into their mouth straight from the barrel before that? <laughs> just right out of the spout. Yeah. Just doing, it's like a keg stands in, in college. You just see how much you could drink before you pass out. Just open up the spout. Here you go, fresh from the barrel. We were talking about how like. Wait, wouldn't that also make it the first single barrel whiskey? <laughs> oh, Bland's has a running mate now. Yeah, it's all marketing. <laughs> They're like, wow, we put our bourbon in a bottle. Like, I just imagine people in, you know, back in the day just drinking out of tubs, right? It's old tubs, single tub whiskey. <laughs> we don't need a bottle. We don't even need a, even need a barrel because it's moonshine and it tastes like iodine. Here you go. I also like the fact, and I don't know if anyone else has uh, caught on to this yet, but I think it's interesting that the older the date on the old Forrester bourbons, typically the cheaper it is. So, hmm. like, okay. 1920 is more expensive than 1910, which is more expensive than the 1897. And you'd think that would probably go the other way around, right? Every time you add years, it gets more expensive. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Very strange, and maybe some of it has to do with the proofing. I'm not sure. So, we've we've got the 1910, the 1897, and the birthday bourbon. The birthday bourbon was, hands down, the most expensive out of all of them. Awful lot of dates on these bottles, Mike. You know what any of those mean? Well, you know, I saw the Da Vinci Code once, so let me get out my cipher here, and <laughs> we're just going to start turning. <laughs> I'm going to come up with the code. Getting the Rolodex. But the first bottle we're drinking here is the Old Forester 1897. And if that date sounds familiar, it's because it is. That's when the 1897 Bottled and Bond Act came out. And you remember who invented the Bottled and Bond Act or created it, right? Well, that's Edmund Haynes Taylor, the that's bottle that you're going to win on this episode. Mm-hmm. E.H. Taylor, look at that full circle. It's like we planned this. But we didn't, trust but us. We didn't. <laughs> so, Bottle and Bond Act, again, is your whiskey has to be aged in a federal rickhouse under federal supervision and for at least four years aged in American charred oak barrels, and then bottled at 100 proof. And it's kind of a testament to quality back in the day because a lot of moonshiners were adding iodine, making stuff in their tubs, selling cheap whiskey, and not actually producing a quality product. Well, this one actually has bottled and bonds stamped on there too, which goes with the date. And of course, it's at 100 proof. So excited to try this one out and see what we think. So then the other bottle here is that we have tonight on the show is the Old Forester 1910. Of course, we've got the birthday bourbon too, but that one's easy. It doesn't have a date attached to it. There's no cipher required. The 1910 is a little less obvious. That one is relates to, on October 22nd, 1910, a fire in the bottling line halted production at Old Forester. They had mature whiskey. They were ready to bottle and sell. Instead, they put it into a secondary cask. So they call it the Old Fine Cask Whiskey. And today they do the same thing. They put the whiskey into a second barrel, which allows sweet wood sugars to dissolve into the whiskey. And it's bottled at 93 proof. So that's where the numbers come from on these two bottles. But there's a third one I think we mentioned here, the 1920. You want to tell the people about that one, Devin? Yeah, I would say that the 1920 is probably like the flagship of their core line, I would say. That's the Prohibition style. Mm. And that's because Prohibition which you know lasted from 1920 to 1933. Yeah, or if you're Denver, it lasts right now because we're on lockdown. Mm-hmm. But that is from the fact that Old Forester was one of the only whiskeys that was allowed to be sold during that time because it was actually labeled medicinal. Yeah, it's medicinal for me. That's why I'm drinking it. And all I know is we're doing a lot of healing tonight. <laughs> Ooh, boy. And talking about the lock, the great lockdown of 2020 in Denver, it was really hilarious. It was like, what, it was March 13th or something, right when the pandemic was like coming to a head. The mayor of Denver came out, and they're like, all liquor stores have to shut down business effective 5 p.m. today. And it was like people ran out of their houses and stood in lines. There was like 
social distance liquor store lines five blocks long to get into the liquor stores. It was really a crazy thing to see. And everybody was like, Mike, aren't you going to run out and get whiskey? Like, how are you going to survive the lockdown? And I was like, nah. I had like 150 bottles on the shelf or something. <laughs> I just looked at my collection and I was like, I ain't even going to go be a part of that right now. I just can't wait to tell those stories to our grandkids and have them just not care at all. Right. Because that's <laughs> what's happening in our generation. Those mm-hmm. are our stories. Yep. These. That's the ones. Are the days of our, like sands through the hourglass. These are the whiskey stories of our lives. So then like an hour later, they came out again. They're like, okay, liquor stores are essential businesses and not going to shut down. And I talked to a couple of my favorite local stores and they're like, we made so much money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, weed and alcohol, all essential businesses here in Colorado. So back on to the whiskey, we've given you a little bit about the 1897 and the 1910. The birthday bourbon just celebrates uh, George Garvin Brown's birthday on September 2nd. So they release this every year and they blend a whole bunch of barrels. So kind of a cool story on that. Yeah. The only other thing I think that we have for Old Forester is the fact that it is the same mash bill as Woodford Reserve, which is also a Brown Foreman product, but hmm. that's 78% corn. So almost a corn whiskey, 81%. It's going to get you there. 18% rye and 10% barley. But none of these smell anything like Woodford Reserve to me. I don't get that like super over florally anything to them. So they're changing something. Yeah. And let's jump into those notes because I'm sniffing around here on the 1897 or bottled and bond Old Forester. And it smells kind of earthy. It smells kind of piney. Like it smells... We keep saying whiskey suggestible. Is Old Forester, does Old Forester smell like an Old Forest? Kind of does to me. Got that pine tree in there, maybe a little bit. Definitely some like brown sugar. It smells really, really sweet. But then there's something else that's kind of earthy in there. And I get maybe a little bit of uh, like uh, coffee, like some fresh ground coffee. I was brown kind sugar. of a maple touch. Hmm, maybe. I can see that. Yeah. Or like a sap. Yeah, the only other things I would note is it's got a slightly smokiness, not a peat, obviously, but a little bit smoky and just kind of a nice salted caramel smell to it. Yeah, could be that charred American oak shining through. Is that how is that how whiskey's aged? It is. It's oh, how okay. bourbon's aged. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> First time listening. <laughs> <laughs> I love that note, though, too. It's like, I love those obvious notes. It's like, kind of smells like oak. And we mm. say it all the time because it does. Yeah. But, like, of course it does. Wow. This <laughs> smells like oak, vanilla, and caramel. Like, wow. I don't know, though. You can shift that around because that Maker's Mark SE4PR5 is very caramelly and very vanilla. Oh, yeah. So you can def- you mm. definitely can get those out of the wood. Yeah, and it's it's somewhat to an extent of how how potent that flavor is right because you can pick it out and say okay it smells like vanilla the se4 pr5 tastes like liquid milky ways like the caramel and the chocolate and the vanilla is absolutely insane and slaps you in the face with those flavors it's really really robust but back to our friend here the old 1897 old forester have you drank it yet what are you getting there on the palate on the palate, I think that smokiness comes through and that saltiness. I get a lot of kind of uh, dark fruits, a lot of stone fruit. A lot of stone fruit. Our yeah. favorite Another <laughs> whiskey term, right? That's right. And, yeah, that caramel mm, yeah. goes through. Lost some of the pininess to it. Lost the earthiness, for me at least, a little bit, and kind of replaced it with that smokiness. What are you getting, Mike? Yeah, and I, I, I find this is kind of a strange thing with bottled and bond whiskeys. They all seem just kind of juicy to me. It just seems kind of juicy. And it has this real upfront stone fruit flavor, vanilla, dark fruits. It's very juicy. There's a little bit of citrus in there that shines through, a lot of vanilla. And then if you swish it around, if you keep it in your mouth for a little bit, it turns from kind of more oily into much creamier. But 
it leaves a juicy sensation on the palate and it's so easy to drink at 100 proof really really delicious definitely agree you want to finish that off i give this probably a, a moderate finish and sure i'd love to finish it off finish the pow and moderate finish it's kind of craveable again it's very juicy it's got my mouth kind of uh, just like it's not very tannic in my opinion remains very juicy very craveable wants you i mean just begging you to pour some more here i mean it's it's a delicious whiskey and a little bit of oak but i think those fruit flavors really hang around which is i think it's something pretty unique on a whiskey and and the flavors fade after a moderate period of time they don't it's not short it's not long it's just kind of right there as a, a medium one and maybe like just a just a small hint of mint in there at the end and like kind of like a little bit of a mint chocolate like those olive garden mints that you get uh oh, andy's, andy's mints, mints? Yep. oh man right I eat getting, myself sick on those. Right. Just we'd always ask for extra handfuls. We went in for that soup salad breadsticks. <laughs> and uh what are you getting on the finish there, Devin? I really do love the Andy's mint note on the finish because I think that's spot on. And I remember I got Andy's mints in my stocking once when I was a kid. And I always used to love to go to this Mexican place called Ramones because they would hand out those mints at the end like you were talking about, Mike. And then I got it in my stocking and I thought, wait, you can just buy these? Like they're not just made by Ramones? <laughs> and my entire world just turned upside down. Yeah, they sell them in a giant brick too. It's like Yeah, like Costco. Ever, yeah. If you ever buy like M80 fireworks, that's basically how they sell Andy's mints. It's just a giant brick of them. And once you eat one, you got to eat another hundred. That's how it goes. Anyway, I didn't know that was a thing, and that was a very exciting Christmas morning for me. Nice. But on to the finish. I think it's a little longer than you're saying. I think it's kind of a medium to longish finish. It's not, like, really long, but I do like the way that the smokiness and the charred oak and that Andy's mint just kind of lingers and it definitely makes you want to drink more of it. So mm -hmm. from a marketing standpoint... I'd say that's a pretty good job. Yeah. Andy's mint finish, you know you're going to want more. There you go. I don't know why distillers aren't hiring us to do marketing for them yet. We bottle it when it's ready. We got we got all the Andy's mint finish. We got all the great phrases. That here. one might get us sued. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for the Old Forester Andy's mint flavored collab that's a that's a whiskey i would try not gonna lie i'm i stay way far away from flavored whiskeys the last flavored whiskey i think i ever had was the screwball on we warmed up with it on the uh the glenmorangie episode that like barely counts though that's just like liquid sugar i don't even think it's it's not even a bourbon yeah it's just uh, a no whiskey. yeah you know i had a liqueur the other day and chicago people i'm sorry in advance you, you already know what I'm talking about. The Chicago people do. It's called Malort. And by the way, what a terrible name to start with. M-A-L, I think, is the Latin root for bad. Like, mall in Spanish is bad. Malort, it sounds like bad warts. Just like, makes it sound like Mortlock. <laughs> Mortlock. And Mortlock's kind of badass. That sounds like, that sounds medieval. Malort sounds like bad warts. And then it's like a, it's technically a liqueur. But I was at a Halloween party... And then we had some Chicago friends there, and they were like, hey, do you want to get initiated Chicago style? And I was like, yeah. Let's yeah, go. yeah, I do. <laughs> what? Does it involve alcohol? Because, of course. Have I been drinking? Yep. And they're like, hey, all right, cool. We're going to go drink some Malort. And I was like, what in the French toast is Malort? It's not quite mole. It's not quite wart. Yeah. It's Malort. It's Malort. And so we went into their we went to their neighbor's house, right? And they poured this Malort. And I took a half a shot. Rose took a full shot. Hands down the worst alcohol I've ever had in my life. It was so bad. It's like drinking straight bitters. Just bitters. And it's so overwhelmingly bitter. It kind of tastes like whiskey at first. But then it was like this just terrible bitter flavor. And the finish lasted 30 minutes. And I couldn't get the taste out of my mouth. And I was like... 
why would anybody willingly pay for and drink this? And so they're like, oh, but you got to see their commercial. So they pulled it up and they had this YouTube commercial. And it was called Malort. I'll have another. And this guy keeps drinking it and he takes a shot. He's like, <coughs> mm, delicious. I'll have another. <laughs> he keeps saying that and the bottle keeps disappearing and disappearing. And I swear, like, it. The theory we came up to is it looks like he actually drank almost a whole bottle of Malort filming this commercial based on how it was disappearing. And I know Chicago people love Malort, and that's the way they initiate people. They're like, you got to come try this. You drink Malort, you drink this old beer. I forget what they call it, but that's like, that's how they initiate you to Chicago. You got to go drink some Malort. So cheers to you, Chicago. Malort's the worst alcohol I've ever had. Alrighty, so we talked. We we did it all, right? Nose, palate, finish. You gotta ask, what you gonna pull it up at? I am gonna pull this up at probably an eight point four. Mm, okay, I cool. think it's pretty solid and what you should expect from its price point. Mm-hmm. I don't think which is fifty dollars forty nine ninety nine. Okay, what I got right. that one at. Yeah. Um I think it delivers on that, but it doesn't make me think anything crazy interesting past that. Yeah. That's I where agree. I'm at. Yeah, I'll give it I was thinking eight point three. Like I like it. Seven point five is competent, eight point five is that Bravo score. I think the eight point three suits it pretty well. It's it's a it's a good whiskey. And I, I like the price point. It's very readily available too. So if you haven't tried this one out and you got fifty bucks to blow. This is a good one to go for. All right, so we gave you the lowdown on the 1897. That's the Bottled and Bond Act. We're moving on to the old uh, distillery fire, second fill, Old Forcer 1910. Let's pow it up. So we pow it up. We're thinking. We're drinking. What do you get on the nose for this one, Mike? When I first smelled this, I thought just immediately it smelled exactly like the 1897. And I was like, it just smells kind of piney and earthy. But then as you dig deeper, there's definitely some differentiating smells. Some synthetic cherry that's in there. Some orange rind, some lemon rind. It reminds me kind of sugary, kind of mocha-y. It smells a lot to me like a an old-fashioned in a glass. And... Couple that with a little bit of that earthy, piney smell. It's very inviting. How about you? Yeah, I think old-fashioned in a glass seems like a good note. Um, can you get that cherry, and it's kind of like a syrupy cherry, which is you'd find in that drink. Yeah. But I also get like a bit of toasted corn, I would say, just like grilled corn to yeah. it. Um, but yeah, I think those are all great notes. On to the ballot. On the palate, I think similar to the 1897, getting a lot of dark fruit. Um, it's a little more tannic. A lot of charred oak, that corn kind of comes through. But I was thinking this on the nose, and I still think it on the palate. Kind of just reminds me of Eagle Rare. I don't know if you got, I don't know. I've yeah. never done a blind test of those two. But from what I remember of Eagle Rare, and I've had a decent amount, kind of strikes me as similar to that hmm. yeah i can see that and i think i agree with those notes especially that dark fruit i think it's very grapey oh yeah i get it's like grape and then orange and i get both of those very very robust flavors on the first part of the drinking experience and as it moves into the second part of the drinking experience it becomes very gritty on the palate and almost like grainy kind of like a dissolved sugar in liquid it feels like if if you scrape your tongue against the roof of your mouth you can almost like taste in each individual like sugary bit in there i just feel like it's kind of it's just kind of gritty but it's a very very enjoyable drinking experience and it offers some very unique flavors too but i think if you were to blind taste somebody test somebody against eagle rare and old forcer 1910 be a great comparison Again, back on the palate on the latter half of the drinking experience, too, is kind of sugary and gritty, but you get kind of a creamy vanilla and a nice toasted oak there, too. 
it's lightly astringent, but it's very well balanced by the fruity flavors. So I think it's an enjoyable palate. Final inevitable step on this rating process here. What what are you getting on the finish there? I think on the finish, um, the vanilla ramps up. It's very sweet overall. And I get kind of a, a nuttiness on the back end of it. Not really which, sure which nuts, so I'll just say mixed nuts because that's the way that you get around this. <laughs> Not hot nuts. Yes, you don't have to think about it. <laughs> don't have to think about those nuts. For the Pod Up fans, I, I'm wondering how many times we said hot nuts on the last episode we did. I swear, we just got drunk and thought that was the funniest damn thing in the world. And it stayed. Yeah, and so here there we, we are, go. talking about it again. We still think it's funny. And I, I think on the finish here, I get like a... This is a weird flavor, but kind of like a little bit of just like barbecue smoke. Like a little bit of like smoked meat. It's almost kind of savory for just a brief second there on the finish. See if you can pick that up. Very lemony. And maybe like a touch of honey with like some dried oak. And it kind of has like a, a hot toddy finish there. So it's an old, smells, smells like an old fashioned in a glass finished for me is kind of hot toddy and there's that weird like kind of almost barbecue smoke taste on it i think that's very unique yeah i see what you're saying it kind of strikes me as like a maybe a burnt ends yeah a little burnt taste ends. to it sure. i can see that yeah like not like the meaty taste is there but not like real meaty yeah that's what i'm thinking like kind of like a burnt ends i yeah. can see that yeah kind of charred Definitely not as smoky as the 1897, but yeah, that lingers more. Sure. And that being said, we went through the process. What you going to pull this up at? Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pull it up at maybe like 8.5. Okay. Didn't do too much for me over the other one, but I still think it's a very solid whiskey. Yeah. And... And it definitely didn't disappoint me for the price and the availability and, you know, all that stuff that I was just talking about, the 1897. Um, I'd like to try the 1920 Prohibition style. That one's sure. been getting a lot of raves, and I see people post pictures and stuff about it. Unfortunately, my last-minute ditch effort to the store didn't have that one. Yeah, and that but one's 115 proof, is that right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, I'm wondering what the flavors look like because we're at a It's a little more expensive proof. than these ones, too. Sure. And we're at 93 proof with the 1910, 100 proof at the 1897, and then 115 proof at the 1920. So how does this flavor profile change across those three bottlings? I think that'd be really fun to test out. And I think I'd give this 8.4. I actually like it just a tad more than I liked the previous 1897. So this is the 1910 that we're drinking. And I'll knock it up another notch. I think it does a lot of things well, and it's a really enjoyable drinking experience. So I think that one is delicious. That being said, we did the two first tastings. Let's move on to the marquee event. We have one heck of a whiskey here. This is the 2020 Old Forester Birthday Bourbon. Hasn't even been opened yet. And usually I'll pop these as soon as I get them, like literally as soon as I get them. And this one I haven't. So maybe we put the microphone up to it and record what the pop sounds like. That sound like fun? Um. Yep. Speaking Let's of do it. like kind of bad audio quality, we have like we love the pop noise at the beginning of all the poet up episodes, but we recorded that with a bottle of Blantons on episode one, and it might have been a computer audio recording. Let's see if we can get a sweet microphone pop this time around. I don't know. That one's hard to beat, though. That thing was we nice. just lucked out. It was nice. In and the poor too. Yeah. Considering we weren't even true. using microphones, how that happened? Yeah, I don't know. In my experience, the best poppers are Old Fitzgeralds because you got that beautiful glass decanter, and they have these thick, huge corks, like an inch and a half long, and they just go plunk just perfectly every time you pull them out. It's so satisfying. So let's see what happens here with this Old Forester birthday bourbon. There you go. Just a very satisfying. That's all you get. I was expecting, like, the cork is very wet, so I was expecting, like, a bunk, but, yeah, we just got that, and that's it. Well, that wasn't very exciting at all. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like it, you if you just wanted to make a fake popping noise, that's what you would do. But seriously, it's got this big round cork, and it made no noise twisting it off. Just the satisfying, and that's it. I give it like a 3.5 on uncorking. <laughs> 10 that's out gonna of 10. That's going to probably hurt its overall score. Would not cork. Yeah. We're like, look, the whiskey was delicious, but the cork popping noise that it made just really didn't do it for me. All right. So we're going to do it one more time here just for shits and giggles. So here, Rose, if you don't mind holding the microphone. Oh, every time. That adds points immediately. At least it does it every time. And again, we're back onto the marquee event, the Old Forester Birthday Bourbon. Again, we're extremely fortunate to have this. Celebrates George Garvin Brown's birthday on September 2nd. This one's aged 10 years, and this year, the 2020 edition is at 98 proof. So we're right between the 100 and the 93 proof from the previous Old Foresters, the 1910 and the 1897. So, again, I think my store only got six of these right. So, very fortunate. Super excited to try this out, sniff it, taste it, and tell you what we think about it. Love the bottle, too. It's like a little short, squatty pot still. Yeah, it's got a squatty bottle, a squatter bottle. It's like a pourable Willet pot still that doesn't just go gling, 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 and like almost end you with no whiskey. Bit more functioning than that. It's like the corgi of whiskey bottles. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) It does look like a little bit more of a rotund will it pot still to your point and super cool bottle very different super unique it's uh it's thick around and this is going to be difficult to put onto my shelf but it's thick where it counts mm-hmm. whatever that means two c's double thick and hopefully this is delicious and it'll sit on the top shelf of my uh my whiskey rack but we just popped the cork literally there i haven't tried it yet so i'm excited to sniff it taste it and give you a finish on it so what do you get on the nose i've been sniffing around here and it's very robust and apparently they blend this bottle from 95 different barrels they used to tell you exactly where they come from but they don't do that anymore for me it's very mocha-y it reminds me a lot of like elijah craig b520 right on the nose there's that mocha which is kind of be like citrus or excuse me um sugar cinnamon coffee some cacao all mixed together in there but i'm definitely getting some citrus it is a little bit leathery too like flashback to when we had the australian episode where or the world whiskeys episode and i was like go grab a leather coat out of the closet (laughs) it smells kind of leathery which is very unique and those are the just the major major flavors that i'm getting when i'm sniffing this you get a lot of cinnamon caramel typical stuff but i get a lot of um just kind of chocolate covered cherry but then in addition to that it's really sweet and i get a lot of kind of like sweet cream and kind of butteriness that goes to it maybe like some cocoa powder which i stole off the book that it came with but i see it i definitely can smell it yeah and this is an interesting one it comes with a little cheat sheet here so they, they give you some aromas and the palette and the finish. And I like to come up and see if we can find our own unique notes too. But they do have master distillers and tasters telling you what to look for in this. So that's fun. And whiskey is suggestible. So if they say it, then we're looking for it. And I think we came up with some unique flavors there. Chocolate covered cherries, delicious. That's a great nose. It's very robust. You can tell that it's deep and you can dig deeper and deeper to find more unique flavors. So let's move on to the palette and see what we get there. Plus, we got Bardstown Taster of the Universe right here. So, <laughs> coming up. And if you're listening to this episode, that event's likely over. So, Rose and I are heading down to Kentucky with our friend Max and my dad to compete in the Bardstown Bourbon Company's World's Top Whiskey Taster event. Stay tuned for more on that. Can't wait to show you guys more. Moving on to the palette here. Devin, what are you getting when you're tasting this one? Right off the start, I get a lot of mocha, espresso, and then it kind of changes into that chocolate cherry, a lot of caramel kind of on the back end of the palate. 
I think. And really dynamic, I would say. Changing yeah. from all those different things and starting out so differently from where I actually feel like it ends up. What do you get, Mike? Yeah, you nailed it. I'll send you to Bardstown instead. No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say mocha. That's what I get. And mocha, caramel. This feels like, to me, if you mixed Elijah Craig B520 with Maker's Mark SE4 by PR5, you have that huge mocha in heat on the Elijah Craig, mixes with the liquid Milky Way, that caramel chocolate flavor that you combine there. Those notes are perfect for it. There's a little bit of like chocolate banana that, that comes out of this too. That's a flavor that we got a lot on um, Jack Daniel's Single Barrel Barrel Proof. Fun that thing is, to say. That is a good note, the banana. Yeah. I can really see that. Sure. Jack Daniel's Single Barrel Barrel Proof, right? Just say that one five times fast. And it definitely drinks like the other expressions that we've had there, right? It's very oily, and then it has kind of like that um, grainy sugar taste. If you kind of swish around your mouth, rub your tongue on the top of your mouth. It has a little bit of smoke there, too, that I'm getting. But not a lot of heat, especially at a, a 98 proofer. I feel like this packs all of the flavors of those barrel proofs the e elijah craig b520 the maker's mark se4 packs the flavors of a barrel proof yeah with being toned down a little bit with being toned down on the heat so if you like really spicy whiskeys this might not be for you but it does have all of those flavors so you can't be mad at that it packs incredible flavor for a relatively low proof again mocha caramel chocolate banana just some fantastic flavors floating around in this i think this is maybe like a little bit of like uh like butterscotch almost let's see just a just a tad of that in there and the flavors are super robust it is an absolutely delicious whiskey so let's move on to the finish you want to kick this one off again sure do so on the finish here um I'd say it's pretty long. Yeah, it's overall. long. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of cinnamon carries through, but I still get that sweetness of maybe like a like a coconut milk or maybe like a almond milk yeah. type milkiness with that cocoa powder. Um, I think the, the mocha for me fades a little bit and just kind of turns into more of a cinnamon-ish finish i don't know yeah that's what i'm getting off of it what about you mike yeah and i think i find something very similar there very long lasting it sticks around kind of forever and if you can just lick the sides of your mouth or the roof of your mouth or clack your lips a little bit you can get all of those fantastic flavors that you're talking about cocoa powder it's right there but i think a lot of that's kind of that long the cocoa powder is delicious and sweet and sugary the cacao is a little bit more astringent. That's where the oak kind of shines through there. And that lasts for a long, long time. It's weird because it is tannic, but it's also juicy. Definitely dries out the mouth, but still remains craveable. Get that oak, maybe just a tinge of lemon citrus and a tinge of black licorice that are lingering around on this too. And I would recommend running your tongue around your mouth as much as you can you're probably not going to get another one of these bottles anytime soon yeah and i came home after i bought this and i i looked at rose and i was like we got it and we we're super excited and we we're happy and we we're kind of nonchalant about this one but it kind of undermined how incredible of a score this was because this is one of the most sought after whiskeys of the year people are going crazy for these ones and, and I went back to the same store almost for months to continue the conversation. And when the owner said that they were getting their allocations cut, they said, you know, we might not have enough for anybody. And they, I think they went from six cases to six bottles. And I walked in randomly and one day they said, I got a bottle reserved for you. So I went back and sure enough, they came through. This one is selling for the MSRP. 129.99 i paid 
$199.99, so it's almost a $200 bottle of whiskey. But the secondary price is crazy on these. I think we're seeing anywhere from like $650 to $1,600, depending where you look. Prices are absolutely insane for this birthday bourbon. Don't pay a secondary crazy price for this. It is delicious. I really, really enjoy it, but those prices are absolutely insane. If you can find one for MSRP for 200 bucks for 250 sure, I'd say go for it. I think that's a good segment into the Poet Up official score. Mm-hmm. What are you going to give it? <sighs> I'm waffling around, and after drinking the other ones here, with the first the first sip I had, I was like thinking maybe like 8.7 range, but I'm on my second glass and it's going fast. So the proof's in the pudding. It's so easy to drink. It packs all these amazing robust flavors at a lower proof, which is something I'm not used to. Usually I'll favor barrel proofs at that higher proof to get that much flavor. It does a lot of things really incredibly well. My mouth is still dry. I'm still craving this and wanting to drink more. It's very robust on the nose. It's very robust on the palate. I think I'd pull this up at a 9.2. Yeah, 9.2 sounds good. I am very mixed on this because originally I was kind of thinking a little lower than it probably deserved. But thankfully we had a lot of time and we got to think about all the different things and I retracted back on what we said about everything and it's very dynamic. It's very interesting and I think that's what you want from your higher end bourbons. That's what you should expect. You know, these higher end bourbons, they should be an experience in my view. Agreed. And if you're not tasting something and really getting a lot out of it, really varying a lot of different things from nose to palate to finish, all those different things. And I I would honestly say that most of these top-end bourbons aren't worth it if they're not doing that for you. And this one did that for me, but I still think I'm stuck at about the same score that you gave, that 9.2. Like, I can think of some other ones, the really top-shelf stuff that wowed me a little more, but I really liked how interesting this was and how it varied around, but it just didn't quite get there in terms of some of the other one, really high ones we've ranked. So I think 9.2, maybe 9.3 you can stretch, but I think right in that range. Yeah, I think perfect analysis. We both kind of said the first sip was like, hey, maybe we should rank this a little bit lower. But then once you get into it, you're drinking it, you realize how dynamic it is and the flavors and what it does, and it's very unique. I think it warrants a great score like that. So 9.2 is a fantastic score on this. 9.2 is up there on the, the top echelon of whiskeys that we've ever ranked. So I mean, that's not a bad score, hands down. It deserves that, and it is a fantastic score. There you have it, the old Forster birthday bourbon. Brought to you by Poet Up. Happy birthday. Speaking of birthdays, if you want to win if you want to win an E.H. Taylor small batch, all you got to do is DM me the word birthday or tell us your favorite whiskey that you like. What would you drink on your birthday? There you go. So thanks so much for tuning into the show. We hope you had a blast on our birthday episode, and maybe you have some birthdays coming up, and maybe we helped you out with what to drink on those birthdays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and thanks so much. We had the Glen Morangie Tale of Cake and our Old Forcer lineup, the 1897-1910 birthday bourbon. Some fantastic whiskeys here. We couldn't ask for better whiskeys to celebrate on our birthday. So thanks so much to all of our fans for supporting Poet Up. It's been over a year of doing the podcast, so we couldn't do it without the fans out there. So continue to support us. Tell your friends. You can find us at PoetUp.com, at PoetUpOfficial on Instagram. That's P-O-I-T-U-P.com and P-O-I-T-U-P Official on Instagram. And you can support the show on Patreon, PoetUp.com slash Patreon. A great birthday gift to us on the show here is for you being a patron if you want to support the show you can find us there patreon.com slash poet up guarantee i'm going to spend that money on on whiskey and <laughs> creating episodes on the show so thanks to all our patrons out there we have a new one colter wilson you are the man thank you so much for being a patron 
we love the support that we have and we are looking forward to doing more of this as we move forward in the year it has been a wild ride in 2020 but there's always gonna be great whiskeys to drink so this is mike alcalt signing off Devin mitchell signing off keep drinking tasty whiskeys <laughs>